Help us to take it. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you again to open with me like we did last week to John chapter 10. John chapter 10, and welcome to week 5 of our I Am series. Um, We have set aside eight weeks, um, not just to talk about who Christ is, or what Christ has done, but to look at who He is, to focus on um, some amazing self-declarations of Christ, things that He says about Himself. And we believe, and of course the Word declares, that as we behold Jesus, as we gaze upon Him, as we see Him for who He is, and then as we respond to Him for who He is, then we're going to be transformed more and more into His image, which is God's will for us. It is amazing how much, uh, how much time Christians spend struggling over what God's will is for their life when the Word of God tells us what God's will is for our lives. Um, Romans 8.29 says it's God's will for us to become Christ-like. That is God's will for our lives, and yet we spend so much time trying to find it outside of that. So the Gospel of John, what happens is John highlights seven times where Jesus um, uses the personal name for God, I Am, and then attaches an idea to it that points to him as being God. And the point for us and where we've been so far is that if you are here and you feel devoid of life, then you have heard him say, I am the bread of life. If you are here and you are in desperate need of a fresh start, then you have heard him say, I am the door. If you are here and you feel like you're surrounded by darkness, you have heard him say, I am the light of the world. And if you are here today and you feel uncared for, you feel like no one cares for your soul, you're going to hear him today say, I am the good shepherd. And I pray that we see the good news is he has even more to say than than that. And we're going to hit that over the next few weeks. Um, But this morning we come to this picture and we're going to unpack this picture of Christ as the, the good shepherd. And it probably doesn't That statement doesn't do much to us in our culture because I can't see many shepherds among us. Um, You know, we're we're not a people filled with with shepherds. It's not our culture. But just think about it. In the Old Testament, the Old Testament was filled with some amazing shepherds. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, some amazing shepherds. Moses and David, the man after God's own heart, shepherds. I mean, that's a, a pretty strong list of shepherds. Unfortunately, you get to the New Testament and shepherds somehow along the way um, became um, the, the lowest class in Jewish society. They were the ultimate in unskilled labor. In fact, their reputation had become so bad that they were not even allowed to give testimony in court. It's sad when you think about how far the bar was lowered. Yet in the Old Testament and in the, the New Testament, um, The most well-known shepherd was God himself. In the Old Testament, God the Father. In the New Testament, God the Son. And here's the beautiful thing. His bar never lowered. His standard never lowered. Who he is has not changed. And just think about these words. And we kind of sang them a little bit earlier. Just think about these words. The Lord is my shepherd. I don't think there is a line in all of the Old Testament that hits us the way that that one does. There is a 
an aura of peace around those words. The Lord is my shepherd. And in thinking about this line, hopefully a few things come to mind. Hopefully we think about one who is making us a lie down in green pastures. We're thinking about one who is leading us beside the still waters. We're thinking about one who is restoring our soul. One who is leading us in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And one who stays with us even when we come to the valley of the shadow of death. And the point that I want to lift high this morning is that Jesus Christ is the one who does all of that for us. So the, the hope is that when we think of, from this point on, when we think of the Lord is my shepherd, that we will think of Jesus Christ. He is our good shepherd. That we will understand who he is, who he presented himself to be, what he gave to us. I love the words of J. Sidlow Baxter. Listen to what he says. He says, fundamentally... Our Lord's message was himself. Think about that. He did not come merely to preach a gospel. He himself is that gospel. He did not come merely to give bread. He said, I am the bread. He did not come merely to shed light. He said, I am the light. He did not come merely to show the door. He said, I am the door. He did not come merely just to Name a shepherd, he said, I am the good shepherd. And he did not come merely to point the way, he said, I am the way. And the truth of it this morning is Jesus is the gospel. And he is presenting himself to us in a way that we must respond to him. It demands a response to him. And as I said last week, oftentimes when we think about this scripture, we think about Jesus as the good shepherd, one of the things that is most often emphasized, and we're going to touch on this just a little bit, but oftentimes the emphasis becomes the stupidity and the fearfulness of the sheep. Amen, Brother Larry? I mean, that's the, that's the, the emphasis that, that seems to happen. And get it, they are and we are. So, we are stupid and fearful just like sheep can be. Yet let me just say this. The overall emphasis of the text that we are diving into this morning, what, is, what it is lifting high is not the, the stupidity of the sheep. What this verse is lifting high to us is the selfless love of the shepherd. I pray above all things that we won't just see stupid sheep, that we will see a loving shepherd. A loving shepherd. And we will see this morning in this text how much he loves us. That we won't miss that. How much he loves us. So I'm going to just say this. There are so many things that are wrong with us as sheep. But in saying that, it makes the attributes of our loving shepherd that much more glorious. So if you have your Bibles and if you're able, I'm going to ask you to stand with me. We're going to look at John chapter 10. We're going to begin in verse 10. Just because it just makes sense to do that. And then go to verse 21. So John 10 beginning at verse 10 through verse 21. And Jesus says this. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. 
I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon Open the eyes of the blind. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you and before your word, thanking you for who you are to us. Help us to see today in a fresh and anew that we have not just a shepherd, we have the good shepherd, the good shepherd, the one and only, the excellent one. Help us to see the beauty of, of that today. Just comfort our hearts. Just touch us in a way, God, to, we will see the glory of this in a fresh and a new way. Lord, hit us right where we are, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. In the, the Jesus Storybook Bible, it is a kid's version of the Bible that I love to read and would encourage you to read it as well. Um, Sally Lloyd-Jones, in writing from God's perspective, says this, Dear little flock, you're all wandering away from me. Just like sheep in an open field, you've always been running away from me. And now you're lost, and you can't find your way back. And of course, this message is the core of the Bible's message to us. From Genesis, from Genesis chapter 3, from the Garden of Eden to this very moment, meaning April 2nd, 2017, mankind has been running from God. We are good at that. In fact, the prophet Isaiah says we're like sheep, each of us thinking we know the best way, so we decide upon our own path. Unfortunately, our path leads to one worthless attempt after another worthless attempt, to one dead end after another dead end. Choosing our path leave, leaves us lost, and it leaves us helpless. And let me just say this. If you do not believe that you are a lost sheep, then you will never see your need for a Savior who is a good shepherd. So if you do not see yourself as a lost sheep, you will never see your need for a good shepherd um, who is our Savior. And I don't, I don't know how much time you've spent with sheep. I can just, let me be honest, the only time I've ever spent with sheep was a dead one on a plate. That's all that I have experienced that I have with a plate, and that's not often. Um, just so you know, I've had like one time, and I was like, uh, and then one time on a mission trip where if they put it before you, you have to eat it. So um, that's the only experience I have with sheep. And without making that the emphasis, as I just said earlier, what we do know is that sheep are notoriously dumb. They'll walk right into harm's way, whether it be they'll walk right into a moving stream or they will even walk right off of a cliff. Um, this is who they are. They can only see a few feet ahead of them 
which is pretty meaningless because most of the time a sheep has their head straight down. So that, that means nothing. Sheep are animals who have no forethought. They have no keen insight. They are prone to fear. They are prone to wonder. They are prone to failure. And in Scripture, God says, you are them. You are them. And that might not be the most flattering picture of humanity, but let me just say this. It's a merciful picture of humanity. I think God could tell us worse about ourselves um, and could show us worse. Yet, yet, thankfully, God sees us. He sees us confused. He sees us wondering. So he sends a shepherd who will love us and who will carry us back to him. Therefore, the, the gospel is not a story about how sheep went looking for a shepherd. Gospel is a story of how the shepherd came looking for us. How he came looking and searching for us. Therefore, in light of what Christ has done for us, what I want us to do is unpack three truths today about Jesus as our good shepherd. And I pray that these truths will hit us. Like I said, they're, they're not new truths, but I pray that these truths would hit us in a fresh and a new way today. So the first truth is this. Jesus is the good shepherd who lays down his life. He's the good shepherd who lays down his life. In fact, we heard it four times in this reading today. Jesus says, I lay down my life. I lay down my life. I lay down my life. I lay down my life for the sheep. We see it in verse 11. We see it in verse 14. So Jesus, he says, I'm the good shepherd. And what that means is this. He's not talking about I'm just morally good. Even though Jesus was morally good, what Jesus is saying is this. In a sense of total excellence, that is who I am. In a different way, it'd kind of be like Jesus saying this. There are many good shepherds out there but I myself am the good one. Meaning there is no one that we can compare him to. There's no shepherd out there that we can... There's a lot of good shepherds out there. Abraham was a good one. Uh, David was a good one. But none of those can compare to the good shepherd. He is good above all. There is, let me say this in this way. There is no shepherd like our good shepherd. There's no shepherd like him. Yet, what does it mean for Jesus to be our good shepherd? And ultimately, what it means is that he must lay his life down for his sheep. His death was no accident. It was not an afterthought. It was the necessary outcome for his life. He had to die. Think about this. Jesus, he lived a life that none of us could live, a life of total perfection. And then he also died a death that none of us could die, a death for the sins of the world. And sometimes we, we lose sight of Jesus' death. We, we are prone to believe that maybe Jesus died just because of what he said, that Jesus died because he ticked enough people off, and therefore they just had to, to kill him. And so that's kind of our, our thought process. But here's the reality today, brothers and sisters. Jesus did not just die as a martyr for a cause. He laid his life down for his sheep. He laid his life down. And let me just say this. Shepherds don't do that. Shepherds don't do that. It doesn't make sense because the, the life of a sheep doesn't compare to the life of a human. If one of us risks our lives to save another human, we're going to say, good job. 
way to think of them other than yourself. But if one of you risked your life for a stray dog, I'm going to say, what were you thinking? What, what, were, you, what were you thinking? That, that might not be the best path to, to take. And, and just listen to what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that earthly shepherds never died protecting their sheep. They did. Earthly shepherds were always in harm. Think about what David said. When David stood before King Saul, um, when David was trying to get permission to fight Goliath, and David said, when I was watching my father's sheep, I fought off lions and I fought off bears. I mean, just, just imagine that. And so here's the point. There were so many shepherds throughout their life that would fight lions and tigers and bears, oh my, and would do all of those, those things. But... What Jesus is saying is this. Jesus is saying, I didn't come to fight some foreign enemy and have that enemy somehow triumph over me and therefore I died. That's how, she, that's how most shepherds, when they died, that's what happened. Either a, a thief would come in and kill them or another animal would come in and kill them. What Jesus is saying is this. No, I'm not being overcome by an enemy. I am laying down my life. I'm laying it down. Jesus is shedding his own blood for the sake of the sheep so he can purchase them, so he can call the sheep his own. John Murray put it this way, death was not his fate, death was his deed. He grasped it, death was his triumphal act. Never was he, was he more victorious than on the cross. Yet the question becomes, follow with me here, the question will come is, why would the good shepherd give his life for us, the bad sheep? Just follow with me. Why would the good shepherd give his life for us, the bad sheep? For that's who we are. And the answer is, because it had to be done for us. It had to be done for us. Jesus laid down his life. Jesus passed through once and for all. Hear this. Jesus passed through something so unspeakable, something so awful, and he did it so that we would never have to experience it. Don't miss this, brothers and sisters. There was something in the death of Jesus Christ um, that we will never know. There was something in his death that we will never have to experience. And what I mean is this. When Jesus drank the cup of death that his father gave to him, listen to what he did. He sucked the poison of God's wrath out of it. So that when you and I who are in him have to drink that cup, we will never have to drink that poison. We'll never have to drink the poison. In fact, if you don't understand what I'm saying, turn with me real quick to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter Romans chapter 8. So when you and I have to drink that cup, there will be none of God's wrath in it. So in Romans chapter 8, I'm going to do something I've never done, never asked you to do, something a little different. But if you have Romans 8, if somebody read verse 1. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. Anybody? That's just so good, I want to hear it again. Somebody else. Anybody else? (laughs) 
let's not miss this, brothers and sisters. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Because He drank the cup, because He sucked out the wrath of God, it will never, ever, ever touch us. And I don't know about you, but that's something worth celebrating. That's something worth rejoicing in. The most amazing thing that Scripture shows us is that God loves a people who refuse to love Him in return, and yet God keeps seeking after those people. For they are ultimately sheep without a shepherd. And then Jesus comes and He lays down His life for His sheep. It's a love that we can't even describe, but unfortunately it's also a love that we grow accustomed to. It's a love that we kind of look over or gloss over. But when we truly think about the love of God in Christ for us, it should leave us speechless. In fact, I love the words of Spurgeon who says, If there is one subject that makes me back away from this platform utterly ashamed of my poor feeble words, it is this subject. The love of Christ is the most amazing thing under heaven, if not in heaven itself. Oh, the love of Christ. And our good shepherd lays down his life. So truth number one, Jesus the good shepherd lays down his life. But then the second truth is this. Jesus is the good shepherd who leads us into life. He's the good shepherd who leads us into life. And let that weigh upon us. The scripture says, Jesus says, he who is a hired hand sees the wolf coming and he leaves because he doesn't care about the sheep. But then Jesus says in verses 17 and 18, I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down. I have authority to lay it down and I have the authority to take it up again. Just let that weigh heavy on us for just a second. Jesus lays down his life for us, the sheep, so that, think about verse 10, we may have life and have it more abundantly. Yet think about this. In a real sense, if the shepherd is killed, in a real sense, if the shepherd is killed, if the enemy defeats the shepherd, then aren't the sheep done for? I mean, in a real sense, if the shepherd dies, then the sheep are done for so just let that weigh upon us so if our good shepherd dies and he is laying down his life then what chance do we have just so you understand the hired hand isn't coming to our aid the hired hand is taken off we're not his so he is leaving us right where we are there's no help for us there so how can the death of our good shepherd be good for us and this is where we see that not only, please, please follow with me here, not only did Jesus have the power to lay his life down, he had the power to take it up again. Therefore, get this, his death does not lead to our death. His death leads to our life. Isn't that good? His death doesn't lead to our death. His death leads to our life. Jesus lays his life down. He takes it up again. He conquered sin and he conquered death. Jesus took our sin upon himself. Listen to this. He walked into our grave and he shattered it. He shattered it. This is who he is. This is what he does for us. Therefore, such a shepherd cannot be defeated. And what that means for us is that we could not be more secure. We could not be more secure. 
Yet, let's be honest. We often struggle with the kind of life that Jesus actually gives to us. For we have somehow been convinced that the life that Jesus died to give us is a life that we are supposed to be free from any difficulty, any pain, any suffering in this life. And so because we think that, sometimes when difficulty comes, our faith is shaken to the very core. Yet we must come to know, we must come to believe, we must come to trust, hear this, that the good shepherd is always leading us to life and never away from life. He's always leading us towards life. He's never leading us. We have to trust that. I don't don't care what you've gone through, brothers and sisters. I don't care how difficult it has been for you. You have a good shepherd who is leading you even in that towards life, not away from it. We have to come to believe that. We have to come to know that and to trust that. And so when when Jesus sees us, he sees us as, as his. He sees us as something that belongs to him. He's not a hired hand, meaning that he's not going to flee in the day of of trouble. He's not going to abandon us. He's going to stand in front of us. He's going to fill the gap. Think about this. Jesus is talking in verses 12 through 14 about a wolf. And what he is not, this wolf is not a metaphor. Jesus is not saying the wolf means all the bad things that could possibly come to your life. So the wolf is not a metaphor. The wolf is the great enemy of our souls. That is who the wolf is. The wolf is real. The wolf is dangerous. His eyes are raging. His mouth is snarling. This is who the wolf is. And get this. Jesus laid down his life in order to break the teeth of the wolf. To break his teeth. So eternally speaking, get this. The wolf may still growl. The wolf may still snarl, but because of Jesus laying his life down and taking it up again, the worst that the wolf can do is to gum at us a little. That's the worst he can do is gum at us just a little. Through his death and through his resurrection, Christ took the agent of death, the agent of destruction who wreaked havoc upon the universe, and Jesus literally knocked his teeth out. Isn't that good news? He knocked the teeth out of the wolf. Each of us has been rescued from that. And we need to rejoice in that. Had there been no death, there would be no life. Had there been no death for him, there would be no life for us. Had Christ not laid down his life and taken it up again, the wolf would still have things that would produce eternal death in us. Therefore, our hope and our assurance for life must be found in Christ and Christ alone. So Jesus is the good shepherd who leads us into life. And then the last truth this morning is this. Jesus is the good shepherd who is worthy of our lives. He is the good shepherd who is worthy of our lives. And before we dive into the verses on the screen, look with me at verse 16. In verse 16, Jesus makes this amazing statement. He says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. And the sad reality is that the Jews of the first century had forgotten, for whatever reason, 
that what God has always been about was sending a Messiah for the nations. Not just for the nation of Israel, but for the nations. In Genesis 12, God says to Abraham, I will make you a blessing to all nations. We see this throughout the um, the, the prophets. We see this in the, the Psalms, where the psalmist writes um, of this amazing picture. Let the people praise you. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations rejoice and be glad in you. From the very beginning of God unfolding his plan of salvation, it included not just one nation, it included all nations. That is something worth rejoicing in for us. And sometimes we miss it. And this is really good news for us, especially if, if you're here today and you're not an ethnic Jew from Jerusalem. Don't see any. So therefore, this is really good news for us. This is really good news for we were once far off, yet we have been brought near by the blood of Christ. That is worth rejoicing in. That alone makes him, the one who has drawn us in, makes him worthy. He is worthy. Yet, let me just say this, there's still a division. There's still a division over his worth. Look at the end of verses 20 and 21 where it says this. Many of them said he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said these are not the words of one who's oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Just think about this. Here Jesus is. He's presenting himself as the good shepherd. He's presenting himself as the one who is the shepherd, not just of, of one flock, but there's another flock coming in, and he's going to be one shepherd over, over one flock that's created through his death and resurrection. Yet, there is still a division among him. And when all is said and done, there are, there are four ways that the news of Jesus as our good shepherd can hit us, and three of them aren't good. There's four ways that this news can, can kind of hit us. First is you can reject not just the declarations, you can reject the declarer, the one who is declaring this. This is what we see on display in John 8, John 9, and John 10. Even though Jesus is going after the heart of the Pharisees, he, he's continuing to, to hit them. He's continuing to go after their heart. What are they doing now? They, they start accusing him of having a demon. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing what happens when messages begin to come that we don't like. We can begin to accuse. And, 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 and accuse. And, and, and accuse. Think about this. When standing face to face with Jesus, they chose blasphemy. They chose blasphemy. They chose to look Jesus in the face and say, you're a liar. You're a liar. So there, there are some, one of the ways we can view this is to say, no, he's not that. He's a liar. This can't be true. The second way is to respond to this message of Jesus as the good shepherd is we might say, well, this is good news for some, but it can't be good news for me. Meaning that somehow, and there might be some in this room this morning, that you think somehow you have outsinned the grace of God. Satan is so, so scheming. He is such a liar. And he convinces us that our sin is greater than the cross of Christ. Sometimes we are convinced that the power of the cross has, has power over everyone else's sin except for ours. 
Let me, let me say this very clearly. Christ died for you and for me with his eyes open. And what I mean by that is this. He knew who you were and he knew who I was and he died for us anyway. This is the love that he has. He knows who you are. Everything he did, he did with his eyes open and who we are. None of it was he hiding his face from the reality of who we are and how we would respond, yet he did it for us. Don't you dare let the enemy convince you that this is good news for everybody but you. No, this isn't Christ died for everyone else's sins, but he can't handle yours. I can assure you, brothers and sisters, where your sin abounded, his grace abounds even more. This is who he is. The third response is to say, well, well, of course I'm forgiven. I'm really not that bad. And there are some who maybe you would never say that because you're in church, but maybe you think that, meaning that you only compare yourself to others. As though being better than Charles Manson somehow makes you okay in the sight of God. I mean, that's kind of what we do. I've never killed anybody like that, so I must be good with God, right? So we, we pick the worst person that we could possibly compare ourselves to, and we say, compared to them, I'm okay. I'm okay. And here's the problem. If you and I have never seen ourselves in our sin... If we've never seen ourselves guilty before a holy God, then I'm afraid what we have done is we have built a religion based on self-righteousness, on a, on a foundation of our own good works, and that foundation will crumble in upon itself. Brothers and sisters, we are not good. None are good. No, not one. But here's the good news. There's a good shepherd. There's a good shepherd who laid his life down for his sheep. And then the fourth way, the fourth way for us to respond to the news of Jesus as the good shepherd is for us to hear it, for us to see it. And seeing him, we realize there's something different about him. So we look at him even more. And as we look at him, we behold the glory of God in his face. And as we do so, our hearts are captured by him. And what it does for us, it leads us to worship and to obedience. Leads us to worship him and realize that he is worthy of our lives. He is worthy of our obedience. He is worthy of our all. Let me just say this today, brothers and sisters, in closing, you and I have not outsend the grace of God. We haven't. Thankfully, I love the beauty of Scripture that is filled with story after story that shows how patient and kind and gracious our God is. Aren't you thankful that this word doesn't leave out anything? That this word exposes sinful people so that we can relate to them? I mean, can you imagine if, if the, the writers being led by God and writing this said, I'm going to leave out this stuff because it makes us look bad. Can you imagine what hope? We would have no hope whatsoever. But because of this truth that God is gracious and he is kind, we have hope. And we realize how worthy he is to us. So the question for us is, have you truly, have you truly seen the worth of the one who is the good shepherd? Have you seen yourself as a lost sheep who cannot save yourself? Again, if you never see yourself as a lost sheep, you will never see your need for a good shepherd. You'll never see your need for a savior. Oh, that you have seen it. 
Oh, that you have seen it. Oh, that you have come in to his flock. Oh, that he is your good shepherd. I love the words of one author who says this. How wonderful it is being a sheep in the flock of God. Our shepherd is the one that created the grass that we need for pasture. He is the one that created the rivers and the waters. He is the one who holds everything in his hand. And get this, he is my shepherd. That is good news for us today. Brothers and sisters, he has done all of that. He continues to do all of that. And he is ours. And we are his. As I studied this week, I I could not, in the midst of studying this picture of Jesus as the good shepherd, I could not get Psalm 23 off of my mind. So what better way to end the message this morning than for us to read together Psalm 23? Understanding that this is who Jesus is to his sheep. So what I want you to do this morning, I want us to stand, and we're not going to call the musicians up just yet because we're going to say this and then pray together, but I want us to read this aloud slowly. It might be a little different in the way you've memorized it, but just, um, just read along. Read it slowly. Read it purposefully, honestly. How, how about this? Cheerfully. This is who he is. And worshipfully, this is the one who is our shepherd. So let's just read it together. Let's read it loud. Let's read it slow. Let's read it believing that this is who our shepherd is. So join me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows and this is when it starts getting really really good surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever Amen. let's pray father oh father we rejoice in who you are and what you have done and what you have given to us oh god we just pray, Father, in this moment, in this time, God, that you would help us to see the beauty of the good shepherd who you gave to us. You sent for us to lay down his life for the sheep. God, I pray for anyone in this room today or who will be in this room who have never seen themselves as a lost sheep, that today they would see themselves in that condition so they would come to truly see you as the good shepherd the one who came to seek and save that which was lost. Oh God, be, be that today. Lord, open the eyes of any who don't know you today. But I also pray in this moment, God, for those who are, who are struggling with your care. For those that are struggling, God, struggling maybe to believe, God, that you're good because of their difficulty. 
struggling to believe your plans, God, because it doesn't seem like a good plan that you're asking them to walk through or asking us to walk through in this moment. But God, I pray after today, right now, in this moment, that you would convince us, that you would touch our hearts and show us that you, Jesus, our good shepherd, you are always leading us into life. You are never leading us away from it. Help us to see that, oh God. You're always leading us to life. Never, ever, ever are you leading us away. Oh God, help us to lift high that truth today. Lord, do a work in every heart and every life. I pray today again, Father, that although this is not a a new word to us, that this word would hit us in a, a new way. Oh God, we thank you for the power of your word, for the power of your your son, for the power of your spirit. Lord, work and move in our hearts and lives in a way that will bring you glory. Thank you, oh God, that you are our shepherd. That you are ours and we are yours. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.